and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Welcome back to another episode of CZGM. Thank you for listening, for subscribing, and for downloading every episode. Y'all been drinking water out there, dudes? You don't subscribe? Well, this is part of your dehydration problems. Mm -hmm. Subscribe on your platform of choice for your podcasts, and then drink another liter of water. Especially if you are in uh, the northern parts of the United States that are not used to this heat. I'm telling you what, it's bad. The South isn't much better, mind you, but... I mean, it's it's pretty normal in the South. I mean, it, it's <laughs> it, it's not that it's not hot. It's that it's... Oh, yeah, it's 95. Okay, sure, it's July. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it's not just that. The humidity, and then that makes it really hard for people to cool off. So drink water. Trust us. Yep. Yeah. Which, our houses are built in the South to shed heat. Like, yeah, we're, we're used to the fact that the low overnight is 70 Fahrenheit. That's why the problem when it was negative 10 here. Yeah. Our, yeah, they're not, made to, they're not made for the cold either. We give up heat. The houses do not retain heat. It is negative 10, negative 20 outside. Our house says, that's nice. And you thought you had a heater. How cute. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, and then everything laughs at you, and then, you know, you, you get into an argument with your heater, and then just, eh, then you know you've lost. You've lost it. They don't, You're gone. Okay, number, one, number one, houses in the South don't have, generally, generally, don't have central heating. They have a fucking heat pump. I mean, we've got heat vac. We've got general HVAC systems, but we don't have a dedicated heater. The idea of heating yeah. oil is completely foreign to the southern United States. Uh -huh. uh, and like I said, our houses are built to shed heat. So, yeah, uh, summer, 195, 100 degrees, high humidity. No problem. Not Well, it's not pleasant, but <laughs> yeah, we got this. It's it functions. Not, yeah. yeah. Zero. Negative 10, negative 20, people start, you know, dying pretty fast. But yeah. that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> yeah, just, we had to convince a little bit, you know, let's just put it this way. We're ground zero for fireball. <sighs> 10d6 sweat damage. <laughs> In other news. Welcome back. Thank you for listening, and hopefully you enjoyed our five-year retrospective last time. If you didn't listen, go back, listen. It, it encompasses our goals, what we're proud of having accomplished thus far, where we're going. But we're returning to inspiration for types of campaigns. You want to run a game. You don't want to run a combat-heavy campaign. 
a big tournament. Mortal Kombat's not your thing. You are the bane of my existence and don't want to run an espionage or politically themed campaign because that would be too much work and too much like real life. Blah, blah, blah. Hey. Hey, so I'll hey. be look, sometimes if we have to deal with politics, politics, politics all day, we have unresolved aggression and must stab. But if we've been doing a heck of a lot of rock climbing and martial art practice and we're sore as heck, it's just like, okay, let me not move and use my brain. And that gets us to talking about inspirations for metaphysical games. And, oh, oh, do we have plans to stretch your mind? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, as we say, metaphysical, we don't just mean fantasy. It's a lot bigger than that, so we're letting you know. Yeah, metaphysical is is definitely not just a a fantasy thing. It's it's tied into a lot of, I mean, a, one of the biggest things right now in most forms of media are things with metaphysical tie-ins that are like present day dramas the idea mm. is when you're looking at a metaphysical game you are going to be building around non-logical non-linear concepts and what you're going to be dealing with are representations of ideas and ideals rather than actual opposition actual flawed characters it, it is as much a, a no 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 because you can have both of those things in a metaphysical game you can but your metaphysical game should orient around concepts more than characters if it's a political game if it's an espionage game yeah you you start with the, the characters but you should start with the concepts for your metaphysical game that's true yeah this is the thing is like, I know you guys are both on the same page, but it's the, hey, we're it, saying the exact same thing, from, different language. We come at it from different directions. Mm -hmm. And that's, that is one of the things with it. And metaphysical things are just that. They are kind of a unique perspective on concepts like, and ideas. Interrupt. If you think of, it's like, you know, if you think about it in certain ways, if you think it's like Star Wars, not Star Trek, but Star Wars does have a lot of metaphysical concepts, the force. Hello? Oh, yeah. So, but it doesn't, so when we're saying, we're not saying fantasy, we're saying that there is a fantastical, non-logic, you know, it, it pretty much it can tell the rules, the rules of physics within your world to sit down and shut the hell up. True. Yeah. That's, because you, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's magical, you know, air quotes, magical. Because it doesn't always have to be magic. It could be whatever. Big bad Beetleborgs. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there is a ton of ways to to kind of cut this onion. Because it kind of becomes that. Once you make that first cut into an onion and everything just kind of falls into like little bitty pieces. <laughs> yeah, that should be about your third cut. But I mean, anyway. Yeah, whatever. Hey, when you start from... A concept when you start from an iconography you then have to more understand a theme than you have to understand motivation 
it's not about an individual's goals, but if your central conflict is whether love will triumph, your question every time the players do something is about how it interacts with love. If your question is about the meaning of honor, then every decision, every action the characters make will reflect on what that character's understanding of honor is. It is, it's both freeing and difficult uh, for the GM because you have to think at that 30,000 foot view without ever coming down to a concrete view for the most part, for me at least. It also depends on if you're trying to, because see, metaphysical things can still be very, very gritty. And part of that is setting also, not just the kind of um, theme of metaphysics and how metaphysics plays into the existing setting that you're going to use. Because not all settings are inherently metaphysical. Mm -hmm. You can take a very, very futuristic concept like, uh, like cyberspace and turn it very metaphysical and very whimsical and very strange and, and non-linear even in something that is supposed to be exactly that. If you really look, I mean, a computer system is pretty much yes, no. And this is adding in that element of, well, maybe. <laughs> well, and that's part of the question that you'll see in some of the transhumanist style games that, that have that cyberpunk leaning go back and look at our interview and review of um eclipse phase 2.0 yeah. uh, where we discuss you know with one of the creators the, the nature of transhumanism and how it's reflected in that game Be that gets to that philosophical question uh, westworld is one of my current examples of a great metaphysical campaign it takes what looks like a non-metaphysical campaign on the surface and asks these philosophical questions that become the driving force for every character. Uh, I, I look forward to season four that at the time of this recording should be out next year. And it challenges preconceptions of protagonist versus antagonist, praxis, all of these kind of underlying theatrical or uh, narrative conventions. And then that's part of what I think a, a metaphysical game should do. Um, I'm now going to be quiet and let the other two say that they look at it differently and that I'm wrong. Oh, no, you're not wrong. No, dude, no. It, it's just, <laughs> the thing is like also certain, certain things that we may focus on within uh, this, the, uh, within a metaphysical, like, for me especially like one of my big ones and it's going to sound weird there's a comic called i hate fairyland all right and it's it, hilarious it, oh god and the artwork oh my god incredibly bloody and disgusting and i love it but the thing is i love like, my daughter what read it oh it's great but the thing is like if like there's that whole magical thing it's like yeah you could 
you're, you know, you're a kid, you're whisked away to the fairies and in, in, in fairyland and da 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 da. All right, you can't leave. You're 35 years old. You're physically a child, but you have mentally gone through puberty. You have mentally gone through everything else. The rules of fairyland still apply to you, so no swearing. Da 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 da. But the thing is, like, it's like, all right. In a weird way, you're kind of like the, the the metaphysical aspect and and a kind of spiritual aspect as a child versus an adult. And kind of, it just goes, it's like, all right, switch. They pretty much Freaky Friday, the whole thing. And I, I yeah. love that because it just, the thing is like, when we're kids, we was like, oh yes, I remember, you know, fantasy and unicorns and crap like that. But then if you look at it as an adult, it'd be hell on earth. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Actually, there's, um, there's a great, it, like, if you like stuff where it kind of, takes a concept and then it kind of twists what your conceptions of that that precept of the the genre that it's supposed to be in is is if you ever get the chance find it's an image series of com of comics called black magic and the main character is a witch like a pagany, crystal crunchy type witch, sort of, but it's also a police procedural. And how those two play is so, so cool. Because she lives in this kind of other world and has to balance these two universes that exist in her worldview without going too far into either one and without doing things that put one at jeopardy over the other. And she's walking this like razor line between the two. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look that up. You know, one, it is so good. Uh, the other one, and here's, here's, is, I don't know if you guys have ever uh, read Armageddon Quest. No. All right, uh, what happens if the harbinger of end of days really doesn't want to do it? He's like, this is annoying. I hate this. It's stupid, but he's, you know, you got to do it because that's your job. But the thing is, like, the world's most reluctant antichrist. And he's, it's like the, you know, rather than it's just evil for being evil, and I'm going to bring about the end of the world. It's like, oh, God, this is what I was brought in to do, and I hate it. And I, it's the, you know, think about the end of days. And what here's the thing is like, how would you interact with the person that is supposed to bring about the apocalypse, doesn't want to, hates having to do it, yet due to the, 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 the metaphysical mechanics of the world is forced to. Yeah. And also the art's pretty freaking cool. <laughs> but that's me. <laughs> now, and there's, there's lots of those where, you know, it's like that weird kind of dichotomy. And then you have other stuff where it's like, you know, and a lot of people have watched it and it is supernatural. Now that show started as a very much like there's kind of a story. We're not going to worry about it too much. It's kind of a monster of the week, you know, mash them up. And then as time goes on, like, and there's nothing After wrong the, with that, by the way. The, no. You know, Monster of the Week is fun. And here's the thing, having it be popcorny in the beginning 
means it's really easy to get into. So just FYI. Monsters of the Week is exactly what things like Buffy and other kind of stories were built on. This metaphysical idea that the certain concepts that we relate to are being embodied in that world in monsters lets you tell these stories. Embrace Monster of the Week style if that's what your players want. Embrace it now because, Lord, that makes your life easier. It it does. It really does. And now, as it goes on, they dive more into the story of these two brothers and why they are involved the way they are in the world and just how far back it actually goes for them. And it's, it's, I stopped watching it, I want to say around like season eight or nine. I mean, I made it really far. But I've there's seen two episodes. Seasons. It, I literally have seen two episodes of Supernatural. I, I completely missed the whole thing. It's I never it's got around to it right now. So you can watch it, you know, watch it at leisure. But it's one of those shows that's like each episode's 45 minutes. So it's not like something that you can just burn through a season in like a day off. You know, you, you have to take a couple of days to really burn through a season, and not everybody has that. And when you have a show that has been running for almost, I want to say that like this is like season 15 or 16, you know, it's it's at the end. Like, this is the end of it. I think they just ended the series finally. And there were two shows, similar premises, came out the same time. One was Supernatural. One was the one I watched. So the one that survived more than half a season is the one that is still around 15, 20 years later. Just, it's got legs and it's got themes and it builds family relationships. What I know just from like being adjacent to the fandom is it uses these metaphysical ideas to enhance the concept of family, to enhance kind of the connections between the characters. And when you're dealing with these different ideas, when you're working in conceptual realms, you can create that role-playing potential in a far more efficient manner. Yeah. Yes. And, And it works. Um, I mean, there is a reason why it's got 15 seasons or whatever the hell it's got. You know? It has pretty leads? Yes. I mean, the main characters are, are you know, a couple of, you know, attractive gentlemen. So you it's an important it. point. Yeah. Also, it's, it's not unsurprising. Yeah. Maybe why Millennium didn't last as long as it should have. Oh, but it was so good. So good really was but yeah that's another one that's like had so many really cool potential things but it just because the the number of people that were watching it just didn't meet the standards that the network had so it gets canceled then you're getting a little quiet speak up i'm sorry yeah millennium lasted a couple of seasons and it's a, a tour de force from Lance Hendrickson, but it, it doesn't grab people as much as what may be the more uh, 
uh, palatable kind of way that Supernatural was put together. Um, I should add that to the list of, of things that are in the doodly do but we got a bunch yeah. in the doodly do mm-hmm. and so, a lot do. of stuff we didn't even touch on and so yeah before we get any further let's talk about what all of us have wanted to kind of put in that doodly do um before uh-huh. we run away with time and, and kind of mention the things yeah we, we are actually kind of at about the end of that but um okay which so is I'm why a... i'm segueing which is why i'm a t- t- trying here i know so Let's just run through real quick, just like the things that we have on this. And if you guys have any others, please reach out on social media, give us a a holler and let us know what else you think should have been included because there are so many good ones. And you know, we're, we're not omniscient. We haven't seen all and know all. So we're always up for education. It's hard to get yourself. (laughs) <laughs> so I started with just, you know, things that I could think of off the top of my head. And one of them was the uh, the new Sabrina series that they did on Netflix, which was uh, my wife watched the hell out of it and loved it. It was really, really good. And I'm, I'm sad that we don't get the ending um, that, that would have happened because COVID having to get yeah. people yeah. together to actually film it it and glow and some other stuff kind of fell by the wayside yeah um, but it's not just yeah. sabrina now there's also um i think it was was it riverdale and there was a third one i thought yes they were all tied to gale all tied together riverdale is loosely connected to the chilling adventures of sabrina if you you know watched both you could catch some kind of bleed over but they weren't um like buffy angel level of tied right yeah it's Um, more of a it was it pretty much is like think rick and morty crossing over with gravity falls it's that kind of thing. It's like you'll see things here referenced a little bit there. You're like, hmm. Okay. There might be one character who crosses over. Um, it, it's, it is just short of the Law and Order X Files uh, crossover <laughs> confirmations. Uh, but that's a whole different set of stories. And, and, and right. What else you got, Zen? What okay, else I, would you like people also, to like invade? Uh, the Spiderwick Chronicles. I know it's a kid's show, but it's totally like digs into that, you know, this random young kid just finds a book that basically he starts seeing things as they really exist in the world. And that involves elements of like the Fae. And so, yes, definitely check it out. Um, the guy who did the original books that it's that the movie was based off of is uh the lead art director from Planescape for D&D in the old school days like that's who the art guy was Ooh. and he did a lot of the artwork in the books and all of the artwork that you see like in the Spiderwick like grim like bestiary that's in the movie like those are all his drawings and i can't remember the guy's name but he is amazing and awesome 
and he's super cool and he's on Twitter and I'll probably include his stuff in the Google Review. But uh, also Tony uh, Dieter Leasing. Yes, that's it. <laughs> um, Bright, even though I know somebody here does not like Bright. It has so many problems. But it's still good. No, and I don't want to hear no, it. No, yes. no, no, <laughs> yes. no. It exists. And it is good. <laughs> no. All right. So next, uh, the Fawford and the Grey Mouser series by Fritz Lieber um, is awesome. Like, yes, it is high fantasy, but it is also got really cool things in it that you should definitely steal. Uh, Lock and Key from Image Comics, or I believe that's IDW for that one. Yeah, I think they were IDW. Um, that is an awesome... Now, yes, there's the Netflix series, um, but read the comics. The comics are way deeper and way more intense than the show ever got. Um, and then I also listen to a lot of music for inspiration, and I have... There's... There's many, 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 many different uh, things that I listen to, but one of them that I listen to a lot is uh, Cryo Chamber, and their stuff is like it's an hour long, like ambient. You know, you just put your headphones on and you just idea and. So that's just one of them. Uh, the other one that I have in there is, it's called Nordic uh, Mythical Ambient. And it's like, again, it's like an hour long, just dive into this like deep, trancey kind of uh, ritualistic music that just kind of, can push you out of what you would normally be listening to because most people don't listen to things like that. And it kind of gets you into a different mindset when you're doing things like this. And that helps a lot sometimes for certain people. For me, it does. But what do you got? Uh, Jules. Oh, great. Put me on the spot. Yep. <laughs> All right. Okay. The thing is like, for me, um, the big, like for me, it's like, I, I like things that have like a mashup thing. So I, I went with Doro Hedoro because holy crap. It there's the thing is like, there, there are so many, it's like idea diarrhea. Oh my God. Yeah. But the have, thing is like, they sponsored you yet. <laughs> oh, they never will. But the, the thing just, that, just, okay. I wish, man. But no, but the, the reason is because it takes, uh, and since I'm such a huge dystopia fan, that they were able to pull, you know, a, a lot of just kind of metaphysical elements and kind of themes and theories into something that is like nearly post-apocalyptic, extremely dystopian. And mm -hmm. it's the, you know, for me, you know, shiny, bright, happy stuff, like not really my thing, as most people know. So that's like the the big one for me because there's like 
ethics and and philosophy on different like types of magic and you know those that have magic and how they view everybody else versus not da, 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 da. and you know having putting a lot of things in a super fantastic sense allows you to kind of examine yeah, you know, like the metaphysics kind of are our world in a hyper extreme. Sure. And also the fact is, is like you can still like somebody getting their head kicked off at the same time. It's just like, great, you can have deep and you'll talk about it and you'll get and you'll gab with your friends and then you'll pop in another episode. It's like, dude, you punched him in his head, went everywhere. So it's it allows it because I think it is so hyper violent and so over the top, like a la Mortal Kombat kind of fatality thing. It allows it to be, it allows it you can get start thinking philosophically and absolute ridiculous, but with you know making sure that it's it's far enough away you can still laugh at it. You know, because you know, I, I've read there will I've read there will come soft rain. I've actually seen the it was like what a two page uh, graphic comic that somebody did for it, and ah, all right, and you're like, okay, that's heavy. That's way too bloody heavy. Yeah, <laughs> which is you know kind of you know kind of how it is, and. <laughs> I mean, of course, I'm also going like, of course, Gegege no Kitaro, because for it's it is a monster of the week, but there's and it, and it's like all the different types of yokai and kami, but it's and it's just like what part of you know because it's like okay, if everyone has this kind of a you know they believe that there was a a, a yokai that caused all the house creaking, it's like okay. Okay, so what happens when you, you know, if it really was, and then it's also kind of like the ethics and uh, kind of, uh, ethics and almost kind of like manners of dealing with more of the supernatural and what have you. And I, I found that, you know, uh, uh, yes, it is a March of the Week, but one, I, you kind of learn about more of the Japanese zeitgeist, which I liked, but it also had a kind of, it's like okay it's like you might not believe it but there is still an etiquette dot 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 and you it, it was kind of like the hmm and it was yeah. stuff that i it, it was something i didn't realize i was doing uh because in coming up with ideas for like upcoming games and what have you it's the you know they they're like the the the, the uh kami and the yokai there kind of bu bubbled up through what was going on in the world kind of like if you think about uh you know dracula as one of them like one of the original kinds of monsters but where did it bubble up through through the zeitgeist it wasn't like a created thing but you know like godzilla was the kind of representation of nuclear armageddon kind of a thing so it, it's it much smaller in that same way and i kind of it shows where so kind of even modern superstitions do come from like the Jersey devil and these kind of things. You're like, and now you can kind of look at it. And I liked that, you know, it's, I, look, I, I'm, I'm not that interested <laughs> when it comes to this stuff, but the, the one book actually that I've been reading and, oh my gosh, I, I, I hate myself for it because <laughs> It's it. It feels a lot. It feels a lot campy, 
I guess in a way. But I have been I've been uh, rereading um, oh, what do you call it? the Thief of Always. Thank you, Bernie. Uh, Anyone remember the, a, an amazing book? Yeah, but it's a kid's book. No, no, it's not. It's a fable. There's a difference. But the thing I liked about <laughs> it, the thing I liked about that, it was. It's know, a Clive it, Barker book. It's not yeah. a kid's book. <laughs> oh, let's just put it's it. A, I read, it's a fable. Yeah. But I, I love modern fable. Yeah. And I absolutely loved it. It was it was gripping. It was a damn good story. But the thing is, like, with certain ways you expect things to happen and certain things that they, they yes, they're, it, it is kind of uplifting, but how certain things were characterized and how certain things were kind of, I don't even know, just like de described and where it draws from your psyche and how that mm -hmm. affects the world. And, you know, it's like the belief makes it real and fear makes it real. You know, yeah. and the, and the thing is, like you know, kindness over hate, but how that's displayed is very different than what yeah. you would expect. And and it showed, like, okay, well, hey, there's, you know, there one word, but it's so many people can view it a thousand and one different ways. So it's, I I I got it, I got the book when I was young, uh, and I got it as a present, and I'm like, all right, I'll read a chapter, and then I finished reading it. And yeah. I put it down in an hour. I read it again. Yeah, so. I remember reading it the first time. And yeah. You, t you too, huh? Well, I mean, I sat down and read it in one sitting. That was me. Then I went for an hour for dinner and then went back upstairs and reread it. Yeah, I, I didn't reread it. I remember when it first came out. Like, I bought it when it first came out because I'm like, oh, a new Clive Barker book. I'm going to read this. <laughs> and... And I bought it as soon as it came out and because I had the, the hardcover at one point and I've lost it now over the, over the many, many years. But yeah, it's, it's one of those stories. It's like, he basically wanted to write a modern fable. So he did. And it's, it's, it's Clive Barker. So it's not like, you know, something that is going to be you know the no yeah. you know it it's a fable like the old school fables i mean you don't they have a they have a lesson to teach mm -hmm. not so much about being nice and pretty and clean they're fables fables are never meant to be that way and it's much and it's i like it's a very very it, it's a very human fable you know, it's yeah. it's a lot. It's not as abstract as a lot of the labels you get. So, all right, I've rambled on love Gardemanger. Okay, you have gone through a whole bunch of things I do not have familiarity with. <laughs> so, I'm going to start with the things that are a little off what you might expect in my recommendations. As far as metaphysical games for inspiration, look at things like South Park. Look at the way they work with concepts and themes rather than specifics and how they don't really worry too much about, you know, episode to episode continuity. Who killed Kenny when? Let me guess, each of you has a different answer. Great, work with that. 
Look at, like I mentioned, Westworld earlier, where you can ask big philosophical questions and build a story around what it means to become human or whether or not you can lose that. It doesn't require too much insanity. If you want, you can also take the idea of metaphysical games that are focused on larger questions as a way to move characters through different alternate realities, alternate timelines, alternate worlds. Look at sliders. Look at the way in the 90s you... Oh, I yeah. love that show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I had forgotten about that. Thank you for the reminder. Okay, you are brilliant. You are awesome. Thank you. And that gives you a really good way to kind of like deal with the question of theme. Because more than the combat heavy games, more than the political and espionage, my favorite games, the idea of a metaphysical game is rooted in your concept and in your larger theme. Uh, of course, don't forget Doctor Strange, the 2010s or the 1970s, Doctor Strange, those sorts of ideas. Um, look at the sort of Shannara series. For all that it looks like it is a classic fantasy game and fantasy series. Oh, just get into it. Yeah. <laughs> deep theoretical ideas. It is secretly a post-apocalyptic setting it is a game about the larger movements of not just good and evil but what it means for free will which gets you to a lot of metaphysical questions um music wise i'm of the right age where things like orbital um really kind of like will click if i can close everything else off and listen to kind of my trance music but on orbital from the mid to late 90s it's great. Oh, I uh, love Orbital, but Orbital is brilliant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. First time I think I was ever introduced to um, a particular actress who has become much more famous was in the Box music video. But that's a different story for a different time. <laughs> and in the meantime, it's about time for us to roll on into those step rocks. System neutral pieces that can be worked into an ongoing game or inspiration for your next big game event. Zen, go. Damn it! <laughs> all right. It all started with a spark. That line from that 80s movie isn't wrong. All magic starts with a spark. Is that spark the beginning or the end? all these questions and no answers there is no answer because the magic is the spark and the spark is the magic well you may be sure the spark is more it isn't and that's fine the spark is and that is truly all that matters with it you can fix things you messed up or even rework the fabric of parts of reality someone to learn how to get the spark others have They've done things like, you know, killed for it even. But you have it. Or you don't. It's really just that simple. People will try to get you to do things with it for them. And that's up to you, of course. Will you use it to do great things? Or will you let it languish? If you're going to let the spark die, then you'll go with it, since it's a part of you as much as you are a part of it. I would suggest that you don't go 
the route of a denier because it's obvious to all that can see the spark that you are one with it. So go out and show the world just what that's what the spark is that you have. Oh, I like that, dude. I like that. Very nice. Very, very nice. Thank you. Jules, go. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I hate following you. Oh, God. Ah, all right. <clears throat> there are stories hidden all over. You don't even realize that you're reading them. Whole chapters hidden just below the surface of various worlds across, across the world, actually. All that needs to happen is for you to start reading. You start reading the words, and they're scattered throughout the mundane. Sitting on a bus to work, mindlessly reading the various billboards and road signs and the like, you start to daydream. But the dream is so incredibly vivid. You're transported to far off places, engaging in wild adventures and death-defying feats. The common world disappears, at least until you reach your stop. The story stops and you trudge to the office. After your third meeting, you decide to take lunch and walk to the Greek food truck, which are the best gyros, and they are incredibly generous at the feta and the tzatziki sauce. You sit down with your order and your eyes soft focus as you're reading the changing adverts on the billboard across the street. And then the adventures continues exactly where you left off. Almost as if resuming from a bookmarked page, laughing in the face of danger and enjoying the thrill of it, kicking back in a tavern, swapping mind-blowing stories with other patrons. Then your cell phone buzzes, signaling the end of your lunch hour. You clean the tzatziki sauce from your fingers and head back into the office. At the end of the workday, and it's been a little bit weird, you decide to take a cab home, cutting your commute time. Staring out the window, reading the various road signs as you return once again. Sitting and laughing around a table, discussing the possibility of meeting up the next day to find a lost treasure. Everyone seems on board, more excited about the adventure than the treasure itself. Everyone is enjoying themselves, going over supplies and equipment, guessing the possible dangers ahead. The cab pulls in front of your house, and then you're back in the real world again. Tired and mildly confused, yet excited. Tomorrow may bring an epic search for the lost pirate treasure. So you make sure your bifocals are near at hand. You don't want to miss a word. That is cool. Thank you. I like that. <laughs> but that is yeah, a cool way to do that. I had a, 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 I don't know why, but it was just thinking about how Garmanger does a lot of his story weaving and I just, and, <laughs> That's who I was thinking going through this. <laughs> nice. So I'm it is glad nice you like it. You. Well done. <laughs> I'm glad that you like it. Indeed. Take All us right, home. The simple truth is that the universe is only made up of so many components. It is a balance between life power, loss, curiosity, resilience, and love. Every moment in the history of the worlds is made up of these in some specific measure. 
Astral's astrolabe is one of the few tools known to be able to detect even all of six of these at once, much less be able to grant what power it does. By being able to measure all six of the axes, all three of the axes and six of the points of this world, the astrolabe is first and foremost a device of detection. How and why are you? These are the questions to be answered. Traversing the Silver Road, after all, it can disorient, and so the astrolabe is one of the few ways to safely navigate that path. Becoming unmoored from your why is detrimental to one's very souls, after all. By using the astrolabe, you can orient yourself to your own selves, and thus save what may pass from sanity among the lower vibrational realms, and so undertake deeper missions to the center of being. Being is the goal. Whether you can ever find it is not always clear, as the legends state, those that may find being never return. Stahl didn't. Apollonius hasn't. Way won't. Why can you be any different? Nice. That was slick, dude. That was real slick. I like that. That was good. And check the doodly-doo in the Patreon for ideas of how to use Strahl's astrolabe in a game. Yes. All of them, actually. Because <laughs> we do that sort of thing. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and flip on into our next section. An uncommon word that helps improve your descriptions with a bit of information about those words as well. Okay. I have a good word here. Hexery. Same to you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like something that, you know, family of mine has said. Um, is this related to cursing in the evil eye? Okay. All right. So, I could tell you it wasn't math based. It is, it is, it is a noun. And the actual definition is the practice of witchcraft. Is it possibly Dutch? It is Pennsylvania German. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. Uh, I knew it wasn't math or, or or Pennsylvania Dutch, whichever one you choose. But yes, it. it is I have tied family in. from that. Yeah, region. Yeah. Yeah. And hexa, which means witch, in German. So uh, the first known use of this word was 1898. And it is in the top 24% of words in the lookup popularity, which Ooh. is crazy when you think about it, you know, because like not many people would use a term like that and then come up with, you know, what, I need to find this. Who's using this word? That is the question. It just means a lot of people are marrying into Pennsylvania families. Probably because, I mean, that. You know, there's there's a ton of like those uh, really cool. Uh, they're they're barn signs that you'll see. Mm -hmm. The red stars and 
those are actually no there's there are tons of different ones and they all tie back to uh protection symbols that the pennsylvania dutch used to use on their barns to protect the wildlife and their crops and you'll see different things in them so like some of them will have like an x and there'll be something in each of the four spots and like there's all kinds of different symbols and everything all of those symbols all actually mean something different it's actually really cool to start studying if you want to learn about what those things mean i mean it could be cool or you could also just kind of find a whole find a whole lot of locals who look at you funny and go I don't know. That's that's what mom put there. Yeah, exactly. And then you go talk to mom and you find out what they really meant. <laughs> that's not you. Anyway. <laughs> well, we have gone on for a very long episode, honestly, for, for us lately. Um, so... Uh, Let's go ahead and do some closing remarks. Somebody that's not me first. All right, look, it has been a little crazy. Uh, personally, it seems like something's always going on, like every day. And it's been kind of tough to keep up. So take some time for kind of a small picture self-care. I know sometimes it's kind of fun to talk about self-care and hoo-ha and all the crazy and wonderful and I'm an extrovert and I need more people and I know that feeling, but really look at finding some time and space for meditation and time to yourself. Carve out that, that moment. Or in the alternative, if you don't want to meditate, honestly... A good stiff drink of bourbon in the end of a day can kind of get you to a similar place. The, the attention paid to the world that serious bourbon drinkers provide is similar to kind of some of the deeper meditative practices. Uh, pretty widely available if you want to kind of splurge. Old Granddad 114 out there uh, should be somewhere around $30 a fifth. For uh, Americans, it's 114 proof. It's a high rye uh, bourbon, so it's got a little bit of a backbone. Uh, it, it's really quite enjoyable and, more, and kind of worth having. So, yeah, that's my uh, recommendation. Um, okay, so I, uh, over the last month, have um, bought a house and moved my family Woo. across multiple state lines. Um, actually, back up in the Midwest where we were from originally. And I'm not going to get any closer than that because people that um, I don't want to know may find this and be able to find out where I'm at. So we won't get no closer than I'm back in the Midwest somewhere. Those who know me know where I'm at. Um, so I have not consumed really anything other than I just started listening to the audiobooks for the Witcher series. And I am only like two hours into the first book. 
And I have to say, while the show is really, really cool, the books might actually be more interesting. So if you get the chance, check out the audiobooks for The Witcher, because that is the closest thing that I've been listening to um, of late. So, yeah, that's what I got. Awesome. What do you got, Jules? All right, I'm recommending a YouTube channel. Uh, probably most everyone's heard of it. They're called Loading Ready Run. Uh, they started way, way back, way back, uh, doing stuff on the escapist. They did um, pretty much MST3K through video game cutscenes. And now they have a YouTube channel where they have uh, they have Let's Plays and they have um, like a new show called uh, they had a new show called Feed Dump, and they have Checkpoint. They're doing Checkpoint now, and it's it's delightful. But there's one series that me and Zippy pretty much sat and binged, and they just finished the the series. They started it a while ago. It just took a while to get there, uh, to get finished. And they did a Let's Play of Fallout 4. No big deal. But what they did and how they did it, I couldn't stop laughing. And it's the story of Agatha Fist, Agatha Fisty, One Punch Gran. So pretty much, they were he had a the female character running around in the Grognak the Barbarian outfit with a power fist punching everything, like, and and they're making and I'm laughing so hard. And he's running around and he's making comments about the dog. It's just like, yay, dog, dog, we found something. Like, what did you find? You found you found a death call. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're great i they have like they have a weekly news show uh called checkpoint and i like it but the other thing that i love that they do and they do this every year and it's called desert bust for hope where they play the world's most obnoxious mini game and it's from a horrible uh pen and teller video game believe it or not and pretty much they live stream this during christmas time to raise money for the child's play charity and they have like guest people come in to play this horrible horrible mini game but <laughs> you know and i love that but they've done they do like oh god they did uh, one of the one of my more favorite skits was uh crom's witnesses where they had people knocking on the door have you heard of crom you know, and it's just like, oh, it is better that you know we say nothing, so he does not, uh, so we do, <laughs> we are we are below below his notice and stuff like that, and they're just ra random skits. Some of them are cringy, some of them are dorky, but they've been doing this for a, a very long time, and they're they're fun, and okay. you know, sometimes you need to watch when they when they come up with a cool idea and just goof. So go watch them; they're fun. Cool. All right. Well, um, we have we have touched on a whole mess of different uh, things in this episode. So, uh, as the normal, uh, you know, like, rate, review, you know, the whole social spiel. media. Yeah, it's like you, you know the spiel. <laughs> you you've been around long enough. Everybody and their cousin has podcasts. Maybe I'll get like a 
third or fourth one to add to my, you know, belt, you know how to find us. You know you should like, you should rate, you should review, you should talk to us on all of our social media, find us on Discord, Patreon. We would really appreciate a coffee if you've got the opportunity. And in the meantime, it has been a really fun five years, which means it's time for five more. It is. I'm going to be so, so old. <laughs> <laughs> Shush it, youngin. Shush it, youngin. Shush it, youngins. Yeah, yeah, point. But come on, guys. Folks, have fun. Stay safe out there. And roll some dice. Because we will see you guys next time. Bye bye. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handle this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by their respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.